Wow. Brother Jordan Oswald is coming next. I remember many years ago now when Sister Ellen Miller invited Brother Jordan to come to church. And one of the things that was a huge indicator for me of whether somebody was going to make it is would they sit in on a Bible study with the pastor. And I remember um, Brother Jordan coming into my office when we were on Broadway and sitting down with him and giving him a Bible study that it's like I could see the wheels in his mind begin to turn. Now, I've tried to give that Bible study to other people and with mixed results. Um, but Brother Jordan Oswald got it and never looked back. And Brother Jordan, I want to say this publicly. You and your wife are an incredible blessing to this congregation, and I thank God for you. I do. So without any further delay, a man that needs no introduction, Brother Jordan Oswald. Let's put our hands together under the Lord. So tonight's a little different. You can, you can be seated for now. And I would take a poll because I'm between you and your cozies. But I'm afraid if I took a poll, then we'd all end up going home right now. So you're stuck with me. But I do have a time limit. And do preliminaries count? <laughs> Praise God. I want to say real quick, um, it's a special thing for me to be up here tonight in this capacity. And I think that what Brother Georgie preached and what Brother Reed preached, I think God really did orchestrate the messages tonight. And I was blessed by both of them very greatly. And it's an honor to preach with both of them. Brother Georgie's parents are doing a fine job. And Brother Reed will always be to me, a sacred face. And if you haven't listened to the message pastor preached, f sacred places and sacred faces, you need to go back and listen to that. In fact, you, if you're part of this church, you should listen to everything that comes over this pulpit because it's all ordained by God. I give honor to Pastor and Sister Mayo, my spiritual parents in the Lord. And give honor to my wife and my children. I think God got me into a marriage very early in my walk as an anchor. Because throughout my life, I always ran from responsibility. 
And when you get into the church, just like Brother Georgie preached, you have to pursue. God's not going to make you do anything. And if you try to run and God has a call and you try to go to Tarshish instead of Nineveh, then everyone that you're with has to go through the storm with you. But only you will know why. So, you can stand to your feet. We'll get into the word so I can get what God has put on my heart out. And I do want to real quickly give honor to my parents. They do not know it yet, but they will have mansions next to me in heaven. We'll read from Acts chapter number 2, beginning in verse number 12. And as I was preparing, it was very real to me that we do not deserve God's presence. And yet, we cannot live without it. So, we need to do whatever we need to do to stay in it and not let condemnation take us from it. Acts chapter number 2, verse number 12. We'll read through verse number 14. It says, And they were all amazed and were in doubt, saying one to another, notice they're talking amongst themselves, What meaneth this? Others mocking said, These men are full of new wine. Verse 14 begins, But Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice, and said, ye men of Judea and all ye that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you. And hearken to my words. One more time for emphasis. Verse number 12 says, and they were all amazed and were in doubt. If you would say, they were all in doubt. And verse 14 begins, but Peter. And that will be my title. They were all in doubt, comma, but Peter. Let's all pray together. Lord Jesus, I'm so thankful for your spirit. I'm so thankful for the church, God. I'm so thankful for everything that you are and everything you want to do, God. I thank you for the anointing of your spirit, God. I pray that you would open up every ear to hear, every heart to understand what you're saying tonight. Anoint my lips to preach. Give me clarity of thought, God, that I could deliver what you've given to me with cleanliness and purity. And we ask this in the name of Jesus. If you would clap your hands unto the Lord before you're seated. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. You may be seated. Peter is the perfect example for us in the 21st century because Peter's life we get to see a lot of surface area of Peter's life. We get to see him when he's called from the secular vocation of fishing as Jesus strolls past the Sea of Galilee and says, follow me. And he abandons his vocation. He abandons everything that he's known to follow him. And Jesus says to him prophetically, I will make you fishers of men. We get to see Peter's faith unfold 
as he witnesses the miracles at the hand of Jesus in Matthew chapter number eight. Had his mother, he has his mother-in-law over and she is ill. Jesus touches her and the fever leaves. He watches blinded eyes open. Peter gets to see the dead being raised. Peter has a very good picture of who Jesus is. In fact, it's Peter in Matthew 16 when Jesus says, but whom do you say that I am? And Peter says, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And, and we see Peter get this divine revelation from God, having not yet received the gift of the Holy Ghost. When Jesus lets him know that flesh and blood have not revealed this to you, but my Father which is in heaven. Peter knows exactly who he is following. Peter could be arguably the closest person to God manifest in the flesh, and yet we get to see the failures of Peter. Shout out to Brother Reed about God being able to use men that are filled with failure. If you look at the life of Peter, Peter has more recorded failures than Judas. Peter has more recorded failures than anyone in the New Testament, and yet he's the one that preaches the first message of the church. I, I, Peter, you know, I got to get way, way out real quick because I, I felt God dealing with me on this when I was getting ready for church. I don't have any of this written down, but I need to share this. And it, and it segues from Brother Reed's perfectly. Please go to Matthew chapter 10, 33. Don't put it up yet. Just, just get it ready. So Peter denies Jesus three times. After walking with him, after being close with him, after seeing all these things, after telling him, I will never, I will never I'll go to death with you. I'll do anything. I'll stay with you no matter what, even if everyone else goes. But he denies him three times. And on the third time, in Luke 22, verses 61, the rooster crows and he looks up and he locks eyes with Jesus. The one that he just spent three years following with everything that was within him. He locks eyes with his Savior, having, had telling him he's never gonna deny him right after denying him the third time, and that plays through his head. He lied. He denied him, but he was also with Jesus. In Matthew chapter number 10 and verse number 33, when Jesus said this, but whosoever shall deny me before men, him will I also deny before my Father which is in heaven. And he doesn't get to rectify this. He locks eyes with Jesus and Jesus turns and he's heading to Calvary. And as far as Peter's concerned, he's never gonna see him again. But he had a promise. He was given the promise and Jesus knew he was gonna fail. And Peter was probably trying to use scripture like this to disqualify himself from what God wanted him to do. And it says in verse 62 of Luke 22, he goes out and he weeps bitterly. That's pretty similar to what Judas did. But Peter didn't give up. Peter didn't let his failure define his future.
And I really feel like the reason I was, God was putting that on my heart tonight is because there's someone in here that you feel like you have messed up so much outside of the law of God that, it, that you, it's irreparable. It's so against the laws of God's natural order that, that there's no way that it could be repaired. But Peter preached. And God, God, God showed me this tonight, that if you think that you could sin gross enough that the blood of God won't cover it, that makes you more powerful than God. And there ain't no sin, no transgression, no iniquity that's more powerful than the blood of the lamb. Jesus locked eyes with Peter and Jesus was like, it's okay because after I die and after I resurrect and after I ascend, I'm coming back, Peter, and I'm going to fill you up and I'm going to give you power over your sin and over your flesh and I'm going to give you the keys. Come on, there's no failure too far. God is able to restore all things. Yes. may be seated so back to Peter why is there a coat hanger up here what is that that's a bent up bobby pin someone had a party in the holy ghost praise God okay Peter the first failure that we see of Peter's is in Matthew chapter 14 verse 28 you could you could put it up if you'd like I'm going to paraphrase this is when the disciples are toiling on the sea of Galilee and Jesus, coming off of the mount after praying, it said he prayed from evening until the fourth watch of the night, which ends at 6 a.m. And it was light enough already that he could see the disciples toiling on the water. And so he, he prayed somewhere between seven and nine hours. And he begins to walk across the Sea of Galilee. And the disciples see him, but they don't know it's him they think it's a spirit, which it was. And they're scared and they cry out. And Peter says, Lord, if it's really you, bid me to come unto you. And Jesus says, come. Peter steps out of the boat, begins to walk on the water towards Jesus. And then the Bible says, but when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid and beginning to sink he cries out, Lord, save me. And Jesus grabs him and pulls him up. So the spirit of fear is there. But he never doubted Jesus. But then Jesus says, oh, ye of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? So I want, I want you to see a couple things here. Jesus calls Peter into the supernatural. And this is how Christianity works. When God begins to draw you, when when God begins to beckon you and you step out in faith, God gives you the ability to now super conquer, supernaturally conquer the environment that was just before causing you to toil. 
the environment that kept you in place. You could not get to the other side. The environment that was, that was, that was defying your ability to move forward. When you move out with Jesus and you trust in Jesus, he'll give you the ability to supernaturally conquer that environment. Come on, the environment of emotions and the environment of addictions and the things that you're struggling with in your flesh and you're toiling with. When you step out with Jesus, all of a sudden, you can defy that environment. But the, the Bible says when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid, which is peculiar because the wind was boisterous when he was in the boat and he said, call me to you. And the wind was boisterous when he looked over the edge and decided to take the step. And the wind was boisterous as he was treading towards Jesus. Why now all of a sudden is he afraid? Because when you get in alignment with God, the spirit of fear will try to get a hold of you. And the spirit of fear, if you allow it to get a hold of you, it will cause you to forget who called you out. And the spirit of fear, it'll, it'll get you to forget who's out there with you. Come on, Peter, you have nothing to be afraid of. You're already supernaturally conquering your environment. But, but there's doubt because the spirit of fear will also cause you to doubt, not Jesus. It will cause you to doubt your own ability to complete the task that he has called you to complete. Because we can't do Christianity without Christ. I gotta move quickly. We see Peter's failure again in the garden of Gethsemane when he's supposed to be praying and watching and Jesus is praying and he is not. And he's in his flesh. And if you try to read the word and pray and, and you're carnal, you will, you'll fall asleep because it, your, your body just can't handle it. You have to build up the spiritual appetite. 15 minutes can be a long time in the beginning, but you just keep on grinding and all of a sudden it's 30 minutes and then, and then it's, it's an hour and you didn't even realize it. But you have to build that up and so Peter can't handle it. And here comes Judas and a band of men coming to get his savior. And he's having nothing to do with it. Notice every time Peter fails, he's within an arm's reach of Jesus. He's failing while he's following. And Judas and the band of men show up and he draws the sword and he wounds him. And I think it's at least a little bit applicable that if you wield the sword in your flesh, there's a really good potential that you'll hurt somebody. And I don't think it's by mistake that Malchus's ear is removed because if you do wield the sword in your flesh and you hurt somebody, they might not be able to hear it from you again. And maybe you're sitting here thinking about a family member that in your overzealous nature, you, you just had to just defend Jesus. You had to stand up for him and you did it wrong, Jesus can restore their hearing. Come on, do you believe that God is a miracle worker? He wants them saved more than you do. God can restore their hearing. And so Jesus rebukes him, restores the ear, and then we get to the denials, which I touched on from a different angle. Which brings us to Acts chapter number two. 
Peter is there coming out of the first explosive Pentecostal church service. Him and the, the 11 that are there, they're just demonstratively worshiping and praying in tongues. And the Bible says that there are mockers and there are doubters that are talking amongst themselves. They were all amazed and were in doubt and saying one to another. They weren't, they weren't mocking Peter. They weren't doubting Peter. But Peter overhears them. And we know that it is well within the character of Peter to just ignore them. We know it's well within his character. I mean, just a few chapters earlier, he denied Christ. He could have just left this alone. They weren't talking to him. They weren't, they weren't asking him a question, but, but something rises up in Peter because from the time that Jesus died until he ascended, when he was resurrected, he had a conversation with Peter. And he said, Peter, do you love me? Peter said, thou knowest. He said, feed my sheep. And then he says it again, Peter, do you love me? Almost offended, thou knowest, Lord. Remember, he had just denied him. And then again, he asks him, Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, feed my sheep. And I think it's an interesting thing. If you read through, you, you find that when Jesus was walking the earth with his disciples, not one time did he tell his disciples that he loved them. When God was with his creation, not one time did he use language and words to express his love, but he put the cross on his back and he put one foot in front of the other and he walked a path of love to Calvary. He showed them, and it's almost like here, he's asking Peter a question, do you love me? Yes, Lord. What are you willing to do for me? Do you love me? Yes, Lord. I have an assignment for you. Do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know I love you. I need you to feed my sheep. And there was also a time when he said, Satan hath desired to sift thee as wheat, but I've prayed for you that you faith fail not. And he said, and after you're converted, strengthen your brethren. And so here we are in Acts chapter two. And Peter's, he's feeling the Holy Ghost. He's in the Holy Ghost. It's happening. It's great. But he's capable of failing in this moment. And they're mocking and they're doubting. And I can hear Jesus in Peter's mind, feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. And I'm coming, I'm coming to a close, Brother Jordan. You can hit the keyboard. What I'm trying to say is that in the midst of Peter's failures and in the midst of Peter's denials and in the midst of Peter's sin and in the midst of Peter's insecurities, he understood that these mockers and these doubters, that the souls of these men was hanging in the balance of his response. And what I'm trying to say to us tonight is that in the midst of our insecurities and in the midst of our failures, and in the midst of our sin, and in the midst of our struggles, and in the midst of our insecurities. There's a generation, and they're looking on you, and they're mocking you, and they're doubting you, and they're doubting your God. But saying to God, what you have is real, and what you have is powerful, and what you have can break their chains. And what you have is what they need. Come on, they were all in doubt. But Isaac, 
They were all in doubt. But Logan, they were all in doubt. But Rihanna, I really believe. See, we think, well, if, what if Peter didn't preach? I believe that the Pentecostal experience would have died in that generation. You think, well, Matthew would have said something or Mark, but the problem with that line of thinking is we always think someone else is going to do it. And if God filled you with his spirit, it is to perpetuate his gospel. Except a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and die, it abides alone. Would you stand with me all across the building? You might be thinking of the, of the, the, the impossibilities and the roadblocks. The reality is if you want to be in the supernatural where Jesus is, he's saying, come on. 16th chapter of Mark says, and these signs shall follow them that believe. But these signs exist in the supernatural with Jesus. Raise your hand if you believe God can open blinded eyes. If you believe that God can raise the dead, see, the problem is not that we don't have faith that God can do it. The problem is that we doubt our own ability to be used by him. And if fear can cause you to think that every time you step out in faith, it's gonna fail, then you'll fail to try. God used a man to deny him. I think that's a message in grace, the long-suffering God and the mercy of God. If you deny me, I'll deny you. Peter did it three times. God said, I got a fix for that. Come on, there's not a failure that God can't deal with if you can pursue if you can pick it up, if you can chase after it. If God gave you a promise, he'll find a way to make it come to pass if you don't give up. I believe had Judas not done what he had done, he wouldn't have been bound to that. I believe that the grace of God and the long-suffering of God could have fixed Judas. I'll worship him. Come on, in the midst of our failures and in the midst of our insecurities and in the midst of our struggles, come on, there's a generation and they're looking on us and they're doubting us and they're doubting our God. But the Holy Ghost is real. And the Holy Ghost is what they need. Come on, let's connect with our Savior tonight. Come on, His grace is sufficient. Come on, if you got a call of God on your life, let's enter into a place of worship. Come on, He's not forsaken you. He's not given up on you.
said, Satan hath desired to sift you as wheat. What's that mean? It's the sifting of wheat, it's the separation process. Satan's trying to separate you from me, Peter. Satan's trying to separate you from the man of God. Satan's trying to separate you from the church. But the Holy Ghost said, but I've prayed for you that your faith fail not. Come on, God's got more faith in us than we do. Come on, let's give unto the Lord the glory do unto his name. say, but I can't walk on water. Well, you can with Jesus. Come on, we're not meant to do it in our flesh. If you try to do it in your flesh, it's a fearful thing. But God is with you. Come on, God is with this church. God wants to get this church in a place of perpetual, supernatural giftings and the miraculous. Miraculous. 